Yeah, if you have a Bible, uh, you can open uh, to Matthew. We'll look at chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Um, text is also there, right there in the bulletin. Hopefully this is good. Um, so over at Ascension, uh, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, going through Matthew's Gospel, but the Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5 through 7. We've been in that little section for about six months. <laughs> so we just finished up today, actually, moving on to chapter 8. But uh, So this is one of the sermons I've done recently from, uh, from that. So uh, let me pray, then we'll read the Scripture. <clears throat> Father, we pray for your Spirit's help as we consider the word of your Son together now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, so uh, when Jesus talks about prayer here, which is what you get sort of in the bulk of that passage in verses 7 through 11, uh, it's easy to hear him as if he's making an isolated statement that's completely detached from the larger context. Uh, ideally, I think, we, when, when we hear a text like this, uh, we would like to hear Jesus writing a blank check, right? Uh, we would like to hear uh, the voice maybe of a genie granting us the three wishes that we want, just whatever you ask. Um, it, it barely even dawns on us that we might uh, actually need to connect this to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, which, you know, it's a sermon about the strange blessing of life in his kingdom. Uh, and then in verse 12, um, you know, you probably didn't think that belonged with this passage either. Uh, it, it seems like he abruptly changes his subjects again and tells us to live by what we call here the golden rule, right, um, where we treat others as we would like to be treated. Maybe we'd prefer to yank that out of context, too, and hear Jesus saying uh, something like, if you want others to treat you well, well, then you treat them well first, and maybe they'll reciprocate. Or, you know, if you want to, sh- uh, if you show them kindness, maybe they'll show you kindness in return. Uh, but at the, the very least, uh, these two things just seem disconnected. It seems maybe like a non sequitur, that the golden rule part just doesn't follow, doesn't flow from, doesn't seem to connect in any way to the ask and seek and knock uh, prayer part just before it. Uh, That happens quite a lot in the scriptures, uh, two adjacent verses right next to each other, uh, nothing in between them, nothing to show that they're uh, really separate from each other, yet they seem to us to be entirely unrelated, and it just feels like a change of subject. Uh, And often the translators and the printers of our Bibles will uh, make it more difficult on us by introducing an artificial visual break, just some space, or they'll insert a little header uh, or a title or whatever uh, for what they propose to be sort of a new section, change of subject. It's not a change of subject. It's not a change of subject. We just have to figure out uh, how these thoughts are connected. And we know they're connected because of that little word that starts verse 12, so... Right? The same word is often translated therefore or consequently. Right? So when Jesus is talking, uh, and then he says, so, therefore, and then he keeps talking, 
you know, then you assume that those things are connected and you look to discover how they're connected. So, uh, so <laughs> what is Jesus talking about here? Um, you know, this is toward the close of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he's really getting to the heart of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. This is what Matthew says about Jesus preaching, that he preaches the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the climax of the sermon that he's been preaching. And he talks about prayer because that's really where this whole sermon has been leading, right? So maybe you go home, uh, kids, have your parents read the Sermon on the Mount to you, Matthew 5 through 7. Read it together. Uh, that's, that's, um, just read the whole thing. Jesus is talking about life in his kingdom, and a central feature of it is our absolute dependence on God. And prayer is an expression of that dependence. And he, so he talks about prayer a few times in this sermon. But especially here, sort of at the climax of it, we ask God because we're needy. So Jesus says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one uh, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So that's a promise. That's a promise that apparently you can trust without reservation. He doesn't give you qualifications or nuance, right? Uh, this is a promise that you can trust without reservation, but you can't ignore the, the context of the Sermon on the Mount and imagine that Jesus is promising to give us just anything you might want, right? If someone is going to preach this passage as a health and wealth prosperity gospel, they're going to do that against the flow of everything else Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> Uh, he isn't saying, you know, if you want this earthly comfort or that earthly pleasure, if you want fame and power, if you want riches and long life, just ask and it'll all be yours. Jesus wouldn't say that. Jesus, uh, if you think Jesus is saying that, uh, you don't know Jesus or you're, you're not applying what you do know truly of Jesus um, to this promise that he's making. He's saying, if you want the blessed life of my kingdom, you want the blessed life of my kingdom, just ask. Seek for that. Keep knocking at that door. The Father will give you that blessing, that strange blessing, that terrible blessing that is kind of a blessing that none of us are really asking for instinctively. <clears throat> this promise is for people who have heard what Jesus is saying, and they say, yes, I want that. I want what you're talking about. Right. So if all you want is the, the proverbial three wishes from the genie, uh, if all you want is wealth and power and pleasure, then you don't want what Jesus is talking about. You don't want the blessed life of his kingdom. Anyone who's really heard the Sermon on the Mount knows that. Right? It's not about just wealth, power, and pleasure. The blessed life is about knowing your spiritual poverty before God. It's knowing about knowing your dependence on God. The blessed life that Jesus is talking about in this sermon, it's about mourning and meekness, he says. It's about the desperate hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's about enduring persecution and not just enduring it, but actually rejoicing in it and, and loving your enemies and forgiving those who hurt you and being humble and gracious toward other sinners. Right? But in all these things, the blessed life of the kingdom of heaven is, is all about knowing Jesus. It's about being with him. It's about resting in him. It's about relating to God the way that Jesus relates to God as his father. The same relationship Jesus has with his Father, that's what we want. That's what the blessed life of the kingdom of heaven is. That's what Jesus is talking about in this sermon. So this is about becoming like God in his faithfulness, becoming like God in his generosity, becoming like God in his mercy, becoming like God in impossible love. 
It's about extending the grace of God to others for reconciliation in Jesus' name. So if you want this, if you want all this that Jesus is talking about, then if you want the blessed life of the kingdom, the way he talks about it, the way Jesus embodies it in his own life and suffering love, all you have to do is ask, and it's yours. Guaranteed. Because the Father delights to give good things to his beloved children. So he says, which one of you, in verse 9, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Well, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus compares earthly fathers here with God, Heavenly Father, right? He isn't embarrassed to call earthly fathers evil in comparison with the Heavenly Father. Uh, yet even these earthly fathers that he calls evil, even they love their children enough to give them good gifts. Therefore, God the Heavenly Father, the only good Father whose love is perfect, can be trusted even more to give good gifts to his beloved children. So that Jesus is always bringing things back to our special relationship with God, always talking about his own Heavenly Father as if he's our Father as well, because that's the unparalleled gift of his grace. That's the glorious essence of Christian salvation. We can know that God is our Father through faith in Jesus, his Son, because of the Holy Spirit of sonship who's been given to us. And that Spirit is the real answer to this prayer, as Jesus is talking about it. In fact, Luke's version of this promise records Jesus making that explicit. Uh, when you go and read the parallel passage in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father... Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Makes it explicit that that's what he's talking about. When Jesus says the Father gives us good things, he means that the Father gives us the Holy Spirit. That's what he means. So, so what we pray for when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, like Jesus is saying we should do, what we pray for is the Holy Spirit, actually. The Holy Spirit he is our relationship with God. He is our relationship with God, just as he is the relationship of divine love between the Father and the Son. That's who the Holy Spirit is. So, so this kind of prayer is uh, less like asking for nice, shiny things or for an easy, comfortable circumstances in life, right? That, it's less like that. It's more like asking for salvation. It's asking God for a relationship with him in the Spirit. That's what this prayer is. This, this promise that Jesus is making is like the promise we find in other places in scriptures. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, this is Jesus' version, version of that promise in his own words. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you want the blessed life in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to relate to God the way Jesus relates to his Father, if you want to have the assurance of salvation and confidence in your relationship with God in your life with God, then you want the Holy Spirit. That's who you want. The Holy Spirit isn't just the one who makes us sort of happy in some abstract sense. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the one who unites us to Christ. He's the one who graciously convicts us of our sins. It is gracious and merciful for him to do that uh, because he helps us to know our need for Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit convinces us that our salvation and our help are found in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the one who causes God's Word to take root in our hearts and to renew our minds. The Holy Spirit's the one who grants us a sense of God's love for us in Christ. He's the one who helps us to pray to our Father in the name of Jesus. 
He's the one who strengthens us with courage and with boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the one who fills us with God's own love uh, for God. Fills us with God's own love for God and for others because he, the Holy Spirit, he is God's love. He is God's love. The Spirit is the one who catches us up into the divine life of the triune God, who places us squarely in the position of the Son relating to the Father. The Spirit's the one who puts us in that spot. So if you want to participate in the life of Christ, if you want to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if you want God's own life alive in you, then you want the Father to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you want this good gift, Jesus says, the Father will give him to you because he is the good Father who loves perfectly, the heavenly Father who delights to give good gifts to his children. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him because God gives you the gifts that he himself would want if he were in your place. So think about that for a minute. That's a good thing to think about. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask because he gives you the gifts that he himself would want if he was in your place. Uh, my dad used to say uh, something like that when he gave me gifts. He, as a way to express his love, he would say, I wouldn't give you something that I wouldn't want for myself. Right? Uh, that was the best I think he knew about how to give a good gift. To say, you know, I take this gift giving really seriously and it's, it's a feature of my love to you. And I'm not just you know, going down to you know, the corner mart and buying you a Coke for your birthday or some throwaway gift, right? This is something I'm putting time and effort and thought into, and and I want to give you something special, something I would want for myself, right, if I were in your place. So that's the best he knows how to to give a good gift. God gives the Spirit because he he gives gifts that he would want to receive. Because God himself lives according to this golden rule that's in verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Right? So God doesn't call us to live any differently than he would live if, if he were in our place. Remember, this is how Jesus started off this sermon. Go back and read the beginning of uh, chapter 5. He says, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. We know the law and the prophets, that's scriptures. The scriptures that reveal everything that we need to know about the will of God for human beings living with God. They reveal the character of God to us, the law and the prophets. And Jesus came to fulfill those. He came to live the very life of God in our place. So we call this the golden rule here in verse 12 because it's a rich distillation of what it means to love according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures say a whole bunch of things about how God defines love, uh, what love really is, how we can love God and love one another. And this golden rule is one good way to summarize it with reference to the scriptures. The golden rule isn't just about doing whatever you think is best. For example, uh, you know, I I would just like to be left alone sometimes, so I'll just leave you alone, right? I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone, we're good. Or I just don't want to get hurt, so I'm not I'm trying not to hurt other people. Right? That's that's not what the golden rule is about. It's the golden rule isn't meant for imposing your expectations on other people. That if you treat them well, you deserve for them to treat you well in in return. You can have that expectation. It's not meant for that. The golden rule is not just about setting up mutual agreements for keeping civil society. You need to know the law and the prophets in order to understand the golden rule. 
the way Jesus talks about it here. You need to know the shape of God's love, which is revealed in the Law and Prophets in the Scriptures. This rule summarizes that shape very well. So before the golden rule describes any of us, it describes God. It describes Jesus. It describes the incarnate Son of God. It describes the triune God whose eternal life is love. So just as God wouldn't give us a gift that he himself wouldn't want to receive, he doesn't call us to live in a way that he himself wouldn't live if he was in our place. So in fact, this is essential to the way that we think about our sanctification, our growth in Christ-likeness. Right? Leviticus 19, which was our Old Testament reading, you've got a whole list of commandments throughout that chapter. Chapters 19 and 20, really whole list of commandments. Each one is followed by this phrase, I am the Lord. Do this. I am the Lord. Do that. I am the Lord. Right? He's not just reminding us over and over again of his name. He is tying each and every aspect of our life of holiness to who he is and to his own character. We're to be holy because he's holy. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's kind of like the golden rule. Because that's what God does. We're to treat each other as we would want to be treated because that's what God does. This is how God lives. Doing unto the other as he would have the other do unto him. Loving the other as he loves himself. That describes the divine life of the Trinity. The Father loves the Son as himself in the Spirit. And the Son loves the Father as himself in the Spirit. That that describes the love of God toward us in the Incarnation. God became a human being so that he could love us as he loves himself, so that he could treat us as he would wish to be treated. He entered our place so that he could love us how he would want to be loved if he were in our place. When God loves us according to the golden rule, it looks like Jesus. In the incarnation, God loves humanity as he would want to be loved. It's mind-bending stuff, but it's true. Nobody fulfills the golden rule like God himself does. The golden rule describes the life of God. It describes the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus has received the Father's golden rule love on our behalf. The Father gave Jesus the gift of the Spirit because it's the gift God would want if he were in our place. So the Spirit of God's golden rule love fills Jesus up and all of his life was lived out of the power of the Holy Spirit. And because this Spirit filled him, Jesus has extended this, this golden rule of, his Father's golden rule of, to us. He's laid down his life for us. He's shared his good Heavenly Father with us. He's given us the gift of eternal life because this is the gift he would want to receive if he were in our place. And in fact, it is the gift he has received in our place and that he's shared with us. So Jesus has received the Spirit from his Father and he's given us the same gift, so that the Spirit of God's golden rule love would fill us up too. And that's why he connects this asking, seeking, knocking prayer and the gift of the Father's Spirit to uh, the golden rule. So your Father gives good things to those who ask him. Your Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So, therefore, live with the golden rule love of God in you. The blessed life of the kingdom of heaven is a life first of dependence on God, a life of asking and receiving. And then it's a life of giving the same gifts and loving with the same love, loving with the very love of God. God gives you himself. 
because that's the gift that he would want to be given if he were in your place. And if you ask for that gift, you'll receive it. If you seek for that gift, you'll find it. If you knock for that gift, it will be open to you. So <clears throat> Stanley Hauerwas, he's a commentator on uh, the book of Matthew. <clears throat> he says that those who follow Jesus can ask the Father to give the good things that only he can give. The trick, of course, is to learn how to live on the basis of gift. So that is easy, to live on the basis of gift. Right? It, means, uh, it means dependence. It means we have to confess our dependence and our need for the gift of God's life in us. In fact, that's impossible for sinners to do. It's not just difficult to live on the basis of gift. It's something we do not want to do, uh, to ask, seek, and knock, and receive from God. You, you don't receive the gift life of God because you asked well, because you really knew what you were doing when you prayed. You receive the gift life of God through the Spirit because the Father loves to give good gifts to his children. So the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, number 129, I think this is maybe the last of the questions in the Heidelberg Catechism, says that it is even more sure that God listens to my prayer than that I really desire what I pray for. I don't know what I'm praying for. I don't even really desire what I'm praying for, but it is more sure that God listens to my prayer than that I even really desire what I pray for. The blessed life of the kingdom of heaven the golden rule love of God, the Holy Spirit, is a gift that we could never comprehend before we receive. You could never comprehend this gift from God before you receive it. In fact, it will take us eternity to explore the heights and depths of that gift. All that to say, when you pray in the way Jesus teaches us to pray here, if you don't really know what it is you're asking for. You're entrusting yourself to, to the goodness and the love of the Father. God is the one who instructs us to ask who tells us that we have to come to him as those who have a need for his gift. And he's the one who tells us to believe him when he promises to give the good gift. And once the Father has given you this gift, this the golden rule love of the Holy Spirit lives in you so that you then pray to see others ask, pray to see others receive the same gift. You start asking and seeking and knocking, not just for yourself, but on their behalf, because this is the love you've received. Because Jesus has been asking and seeking and knocking on your behalf. This concern for others in their relationship with God connects very well to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus assumes that we want to see others glorify our Father in heaven. He calls us to extend the mercy that we've received to other people. He calls us to lead others to himself, to stand at the foot of his cross together. He calls us to forgive as we've been forgiven, to pray for such forgiveness to become a central reality in our lives. Because apart from that, apart from prayer, it's not going to be. In Christ, God has treated us as himself would wish to be treated. He has brought us into the eternal life and the true glory and the golden rule love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The blessed life of the kingdom is yours for the asking and for the sharing, if you want it. Amen. I'm going to uh, close with a prayer from Ephesians 3. <clears throat> For this reason, we bow our knees before you, our Father, the good Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength 
to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to you who are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask to think, according to the power at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.